there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. In Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 12, there's a story that I'd like to share. And Jacob went out from Beersheba on his way to Haran, and he arrived at a certain place and spent the night there because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of the place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So that's the story. And what that tells me is that the ancients perceived that the universe is not all on the same level, but it's like a ladder. Now, obviously, those in touch with higher levels are more intelligent. People who are in touch with higher levels are more intelligent than people who are not. So they know and do more than those at lower levels. Now, we all realize this, but it's it's kind of like in the background of our lives. It's not something that's in the foreground. It's not something we meet somebody and go, oh, well, what level is this person on? But in the background, we know that there are different levels. We know that there are different levels about everything. Higher intelligence can pass through more levels while lower is limited. So the higher your intelligence, the higher level of intelligence you have, the more options you have. For example, Einstein had options that we don't have when it came to mathematics and physics. We just simply do not have those options because we do not have the same degree, level of intelligence that Einstein had. Now, things like that we accept and we go, well, you know, not everybody's Einstein. We have our own special talents and gifts that make us unique. That's how we salve our bruised egos with that. When we find someone as, as a higher level, well, yes, he may be on a higher level there, but I'm on a higher level somewhere else. I have this or I have that. And so our way of dealing with this idea of levels and keeping ourselves in a superior position is to say, well, yes, maybe that person is in that way at a higher level, but I'm at higher levels in every other way. The work calls this ladder that the ancients perceived a scale. Now, it's interesting to me, I find it very interesting, that scale is from the Latin scala, which actually means ladder. And the work assigns numbers to different rungs or levels of intelligent energies on that ladder, calling them hydrogens. Now, this is something that intellectually it's, you know, okay, well, that's nice. We have that information, hydrogens. So they call each rung a hydrogen, and they assign a number to this rung and call it hydrogen 48. And this rung they call hydrogen 24. And this rung they call hydrogen 12. And this rung down here they call hydrogen 96. And then below that they call this hydrogen 1560 or 720 or whatever. And so when we think about this story about Jacob, he arrived at a certain place. Every time you read in esoteric literature that someone arrived at a certain place, they were from a certain place, pay attention. It's a certain place is directing you toward consciousness. It's directing you toward an inner state. There's a certain state that you have to get to in order for this to happen. Or there's a certain state that this person is in, and this is what happens in that state. This is what that state is like. 
So arrived at a certain place, spent the night there because the sun was set. Well, it's a good idea. When the sun sets, when you don't have any more light, it's a good idea to stay still. It's a good idea not to move around, isn't it? If suddenly you're in a room and you're walking around and somebody turns all the lights out and it's pitch black in there, it's a good idea to just stop, not to go running around or do other things. It's a good idea to just stop. We know that that's true. And he took of the stones of the place and put them for his pillows. You remember now that stone is the lowest level of truth. The stone truth is the hardest, coldest, most unyielding truth that there is. It's the entry-level truth. It's the truth of fanatics. It's the truth of the Inquisition. It's the truth of the Crusades. It's the truth of, basically, it's the truth of bloodshed. It's a hard truth. It's the truth of the Old Testament where Moses said, well, you stone people like this. And you take the stones, the hard truth, and you stone people with that. And as you are well aware in the world, fundamentalists of every shape, of every creed, of every religion, they have a tendency to be warlike, to be hostile, to be violent, to take the stone truth and use it in a very negative way. Also, you remember that one of the temptations for Jesus when he's driven into the wilderness to be tempted was Satan came to him and said, well, if you're the son of God, then command these stones to become bread. In other words, take this truth and sell it make money from it, get sustenance from it. And this is one of the big temptations for people at that level. And that's why you see so many TV evangelists driving Rolls Royces and incredible wealth. Their followers are not enjoying that same thing. So it's a temptation. So we've put them for his pillows. Now, I don't know about you, but having a stone or having stones for pillows doesn't exactly seem like a very comfortable thing. But the stone truth is not a very comfortable thing. And it's not very comfortable because you're using your head. You see, there's no heart involved in it. You're resting your head on those stone pillows. So it's all intellectual. And it's really not even in the intellectual center. It's really in the formatory apparatus. It's in the formatory part of the intellectual center, which we know is a very judgmental part of the intellect. It says yes and no, right and wrong, good and bad, black and white, like and dislike, hate and love. And of course, love is not real love and hate is just a violent negative emotion. So, and lay down in that place to sleep. Well, if you're laying your head on the stone truth, if you've got that for a pillow, you're going to do a lot of sleeping. One of the things the stone truth encourages in people is sleep. They sleep a lot. How else could you be an inquisitor? How else could you torture people to death? How else could you pour molten lead in their ears and in their nostrils? How else could you do the things that the inquisitors did to human beings if you weren't asleep? And in your sleep, you're dreaming that you're doing a godly thing, a righteous thing. You're dreaming that you're helping these people by doing this, that you're saving their souls by tormenting their bodies. So you can see that that is a very low level because there's a lot of violence and a lot of negative emotions there. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set upon the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. So we've discussed our centers that work with different energies. And we know that some of those energies are coarser and some of those energies are finer. And we'll relate it to the table of hydrogens. So we have, say, the energy H48. That's pretty much what we operate with if we're just as we are, pretty much asleep. If we're really negative, we're operating with H96. 
So they're coarser and finer fuels, like fuels for a car, regular, mid-grade, supreme, or whatever they call them these days. I guess everybody has their own little label that they put on their different levels of fuel. And it's like that for us, but different centers in us operate with different fuels. For example, the moving center can work with a far quicker energy than the formatory part of the intellectual center. So an example of this would be you're driving down this street. You're, you're going home. Let's say you're going home and you're on your street and you're, you can see your house and okay, so you're fixated on where you're going to go and a child runs out in front of the car. The moving center hits the brakes. You don't have to think about that at all. If you thought about that, Whose child is that? Why is he in front of my car? Well, he'd be under your car by the time you were done thinking about it. So the moving center operates with an energy that's far quicker than the intellectual center. The intellectual center or the formatory part of the intellectual center is very slow, operates with a very slow coarse energy, which is what makes us such dullards when it comes to spiritual matters because we spend so much of our time in the formatory part of the intellectual center. The slowest, heaviest, thickest energy for these centers is H48. And that, of course, is what works the formatory part of the intellectual center. It's just like if you've got a car that'll operate on regular gasoline, then you can put regular gasoline in your car, but it's not going to be a top performer, is it? No, there's no way it's going to be a top performer. You don't have a race car. That's for sure. So you're not going to get a lot out of it. It's going to get you from here to there, but it's not going to be a top performer. And then, of course, if you've got a car that's a high-performance car, it's going to cost a lot more. You're going to have to put in a much better fuel. This is what we're talking about with our centers. The slowest, heaviest, thickest energy, as I said, is H48. The emotional center should work with H24, but, of course, it doesn't. When it does work with H24, it grasps faster than can the formatory mind, which moves slowly, logically. The formatory mind just kind of plods along from one thing to another. It can be very tedious, as you know. Plunk, 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 one foot in front of the other. Now, each center and part of center has its right use. This is a very important thing to understand. Each center and each part of center has its right use. So there's no center that is left out. There's no center that is blocked out. There's no center that is a bad center or a bad part of a center. We get this idea that if you're being mechanical, you're bad. If you're being mechanical, you're wrong. Now, if you're being mechanical, you're being mechanical. There's a purpose and a use for mechanical things, mechanicalness, and, and small parts of center. They take care of tasks like brushing your teeth. They take care of tasks like digesting your food. They take care of things for you. And so they all have the right place. It's when we allow them to run our lives that we're in trouble. And that we do through unconsciousness. From whence come these energies? Higher and lower levels of the created universe is what this esoteric story from the Bible is telling us. It's telling us that there's a ladder that its top reaches heaven and its bottom reaches earth. So it's on the earth and it reaches heaven. And the angels, the messengers of God, are ascending and descending on it. So these energies are going up and down on this ladder. Now, you've got to understand that a more intelligent energy, like that of an angel, is more intelligent than yours. So it can go up higher than you can go, but it can go down to anywhere it wants to go. It's like carte blanche. 
It can go according to its intelligent energy. You can go according to your intelligent energy. Why we spend most of our time in the cesspool of life is beyond my comprehension, other than we simply love negative emotions and we are not in control of our minds and we're certainly not in control of our hearts at all. So our emotional center is putrid with negative emotions and our minds are encased in this formatory apparatus so that it directs us and we really don't have much choice. Finer from higher, coarser from lower. That's how the energies work. The finer energies come from higher. The coarser energies come from lower. You know that if you just come out of a meditation and someone comes in the room and they start ranting and raving, it's negativity. You can feel the coarseness of the energy because you're operating at a different level. You've touched into something higher. And so you're in a more sublime state, a finer state. And that energy is repulsive. That violent energy is just very coarse, very heavy, very thick, not fun. But if you're in that state, well, there's nothing like it. You know, you feel great. You're ready to kill. You're ready to bite people's heads off, you know, rip their arms off and beat them over the head with it. So if you're in a violent state, it's a whole other thing. But if you're in a finer state, it's like, get away from this. What's lower is under more laws. Yet each level is valuable and important, like the rungs of a ladder. You start removing the lower rungs of a ladder. Okay, these lower, coarse, disgusting rungs of the ladder, we're going to get rid of those. So you start getting rid of all those. And all you've got left is a couple of rungs at the top. You don't have much of a ladder, and you're not going far. Because in order to get to those upper rungs, you need those lower rungs. No matter how obnoxious they are for you, you still have to climb up out of that. And if the ladder is going to help you get up out of that, don't start dismantling the ladder because you think you know better at your level. You think that your intelligence is the highest intelligence there is and all the intelligence anybody needs, then you're going to do whatever you think is best. That's pretty much how this world is operating. And it's difficult to acknowledge, yes, there is a higher intelligence and I could submit to that and start to operate with a finer fuel. But it's not impossible. False personality negative emotions are very low down in scale, leading to the bad karma that's operating under mechanicalness. What you sow you reap is not a joke. You will reap what you sow. And if you're playing down there in that bad karma region of the negative emotions, you're going to sow a lot of bad stuff and you're going to reap a lot of bad stuff. It's best not to do that. The lowest level is meaninglessness. If everything is meaningless, you're in hell. Think of your own personal experience. When everything is meaningless, you're in hell. There's no meaning. There's no point to anything. There's no hope. You're in hopelessness. You're in misery. You're in hell. And your mind goes to negative emotions. Your emotional center is just completely adulterated with negative emotions. In scale, your better states are higher and more intelligent than the lower. And the higher states have a greater depth of meaning. So as you go up this ladder, up this scale, you get more and more meaning from everything. So you see a leaf and you get more meaning from a leaf. You see the sun, you get more meaning from the sun. You look at a person, you get more meaning from the person. You think a thought, you get more meaning from the thought. You feel a feeling, you get more meaning from the feeling. So any impressions coming in, you get more meaning from them because you're operating with a better fuel at a higher level. And so you've got a higher energy level, a more intelligent energy level, so you get more meaning. The lower you go, the less meaning you have. So the lower we drop, 
And when we finally drop in the negative emotions, we have very little meaning with our lives. In fact, we understand very little about spiritual things. We tend to scoff at them. We tend to push them away. We tend to ridicule them. We tend to deny them in lower states. Okay, so all this is familiar to you, yes? Good. Too familiar? (laughs) I understand. Maurice Nicole said, The more you make lovely things cheap, the less meaning they have. This is why you must make things sacred or holy. There are two ways to make things sacred or holy. One way is mechanically. We call that religion. Ritualistically, religiously making things sacred or holy. People who kiss their Bible or won't go into the bathroom with it and things like that. It's a book, people. The meaning that it has is only something that you can bring to it. Whatever meaning it has, it's hidden to you until you reach a level of intelligence and energy where you can operate at an energy that you can pull the meaning out of it. Otherwise, it's just another book. You may as well stand on it to reach the telephone or use it as a doorstop or a paperweight. Without the proper intelligence, it's meaningless. The meaning is there, yes, but you have to be able to pull the meaning out of it. And the only way to pull the meaning out of it, the only way to get to that meaning, is if you've raised your ability to your energy level, your intelligence level, to the point where you can glean the meaning from it. There's no question in my mind that I can tell you stories out of the Bible and you never got that meaning from it. I tell you something, you well, I, I didn't think it meant that. Well, of course you didn't think it meant that. You have to reach a certain level of this energy before you're going to get that kind of meaning. Now, once you get it, you've got it, but you can drop back out of that too. Remember, the angels can go from very high to very low. Well, you can go anywhere down. It's hard to make it up. It's easy to go down. That's one of the things I think you've noticed about your own life. It's easy to be negative. It's easy to be critical. It's easy to be judgmental. It's easy to be negative. It's not so easy to love one another. It's not so easy to understand. It's not so easy to do those things. It's not so easy to go up and get that higher energy, that higher intelligence. This was part of the purpose of ritual, but the meaning has been lost and it's fallen to religiosity. See, ritual, it was something on which meaning had been inscribed, like you take the breastplate, Aaron's breastplate, and there was a word inscribed on each stone in the breastplate. And that was ritualistic, but it had meaning for the high priest. That meaning was all lost in religiosity later. After Aaron was dead, and then the next priest came along, and the next priest came along, they got further and further away from the meaning, and more and more into the ritual, and then the religiosity. The ritual still keeps the meaning. It's still there, But you have to reach a certain level before you can glean the meaning from the ritual. And most of us are not capable of doing that at this point, so we don't see much point in ritual. But there is a point in ritual. In everything, there is greater and lesser. We know that. Like I said, that is operating in the background. For example, you know that there are better books and worse books. There are great books. There's great literature. I mean, really great literature. There's spiritual literature and there's junk, trash, garbage. That you think, well, a tree gave up its life for this? That's blasphemy. But such is life. Music. You know that there's better music and worse music. There's higher music and lower music. There's music that can lift you. And there's music that can drag you down. Art. We know that there is fine art and there's coarse art. We know that there is finer craftsmanship and junk craftsmanship. You know, you see a fine piece of furniture, handmade fine piece of furniture, finely finished. And if you have the intelligence, you can appreciate the meaning. If you don't have the intelligence, then you're not going to appreciate the meaning. And I don't mean basic intelligence like we mean intelligence in the world. I'm talking about intelligence in the scale of energies. 
Okay, I'm talking about higher intelligence and lower intelligence in that way. Not how much intelligence you have, but the quality of your intelligence. Not quantity, but quality. Food and wine. Okay, this is something you all know plenty about. Food and wine. You know there's better food and there's worse food. Now, most of us only know that there's food we like and food we don't like. But some of us know that there is better food that's got higher energy and there is worse food that has lower energy. And we know that the higher energy food can impart to us higher energy and the lower energy food can drag us down. Not everyone knows that, but some people do know that. The people who do know that can take advantage of it. But you've got to have the intelligence to be able to take advantage of it. Without that, you just eat what you like, what's dictated to you by your old associations and by the formatory apparatus. You just do what it tells you to do because you're its slave. And that's that. So this scale of excellence reflects in an outer way what we're seeking internally. We can see that there's fine craftsmanship and shoddy craftsmanship. We can see that there's fine wine and junk wine. We can see that there's great music and junky music. So we can see all of those things, and all of these things are a reflection of what we're trying to do internally. What we're trying to do internally is we're trying to reach excellence inside. We're trying to reach higher states inside where we can get in contact with higher energies that can operate the higher centers so that we can leave behind these lower centers so that they can just do their task. We can set them to a task. They can do their task without us having to worry about them becoming negative or without us having to worry about them getting us in trouble like they do now. Okay? Do you ever bite your tongue too late? You said that's because you mechanically said something that you didn't want to say. Why? Because we talked about this yesterday. We all know better, but we act worse, which shows us that knowledge does not lead to doing. If knowledge led to doing, we would all know better and act better. But because knowledge doesn't lead to doing, we can know better and act worse. So what we do can be worse than what we know. It's clear, right? Good. I like it clear, just like my water. Now, The linchpin of this work is gradually discarding, not identifying with, useless states of oneself through a growing insight that we call conscious awareness. Eventually, what we do is we begin to purify ourselves. What does that mean? Well, it means remove the impurities. Well, what are some of the impurities in your emotional center? Doing things just for myself. Doing things, so selfishness, self-love. That's an impurity in the emotional center. Internal consideration, impurity in the emotional center that involves the intellect, that involves the formatory apparatus in its judgmental states so that it starts to hate and the emotions back it up. So the negative emotions and the formatory apparatus working together to spoil your life, to destroy your peace, to put you in hell, to put you on the rotisserie of misery. (laughs) Sometimes I just love saying things. <laughs> you know, I mean, just just for the sake of saying it, it's like, yeah, that's such a great image on the rotisserie of misery in hell. And that's what we do to ourselves. But images are good for us. You know, we can get these images and it's like, this is really stupid. I'm turning the spit. You know, I'm fanning the flames. I'm turning the spit. I've got myself tied up here on the rotisserie. And I'm so mechanical, I don't even have to turn the spit anymore. I just plug it in and it just goes by itself now. This is our condition. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to not identify with those states. We're trying to discard them gradually, slowly, just get rid of them one by one as we can find the strength and the meaning to give them up. But you're not going to give up what is meaningful to you now until you have more meaning. And you're not going to get more meaning unless you try to get it. 
If you're satisfied with the meaning you have, remember the story of the prodigal son. He had all this wealth and he went and squandered it all in loose living, I think they say. In other words, mechanical living. And then he started starving to death. He was in a foreign country, he didn't know anybody, so he got a job feeding pigs. And he was so hungry, the pig's food started to have meaning for him. He longed, longed to fill his belly with the husks that the pig's were eating. That's where his meaning was. Now, you could stay there. In fact, that's what we do. We stay there. We long to fill our bellies with the husks that the pigs are eating. Because we don't come to ourselves, because we can't remember ourselves, we can't remember that we have something greater that we could do than that. And we just get lost in this physical world. We get lost in lust, we get lost in greed, we get lost in negative emotions, we get lost in all of these things that just keep us at a very low meaning in life. Just satisfying our physical lust and desires. Nothing wrong with that. If you don't want anything else, that's great. Then live a meaningless life in hell, and that's that. But there is something more because you were put here for something more, and you have access to something more. Whether or not you choose to do that is determined by you, determined by, first of all, your belief in greater mind and that you have a purpose. And if you think you have a purpose and you believe in greater mind, then you're going to seek that higher purpose. It's not just satisfying your senses. It's not just satisfying your lust and your self-love and your self-emotions. There is more to you than that. But if you live in the basement of yourself, you'll never figure that out. Because we have higher and lower centers, we're like a ladder stretched out from top to bottom. The higher centers being up the top, the lower centers being down the bottom. So start to think of yourself as a ladder, just while we talk about this. Or you could think of it as windows in a house. Let's say you're a three-story house. Each story has windows. So down here, the bottom, there's these windows, and they face out to see this, and there's these energies coming in that window. And you go up one, and you have other windows, and they have a different view. And you go up another one, and they have other windows with a different view. So you open the window, and what's going to come in? Well, it depends on the window that you open. If you open the window at a low level, what's going to come in is low energy. If you open a window at a higher level, what's going to come in? Finer energies. The air is finer the higher you go. If you've ever been to Salton Sea, you know that the air is thicker, heavier, hotter, coarser the lower you go. It's below sea level. The air is thicker, coarser there. You go up into the mountains and you can feel the difference in the air. It's brisk. It's clean. It's fine. But you're not going to do as much activity either up there unless you acclimate your lungs to it because there's less oxygen. It's a different energy. And it's a higher energy. It's not as physical. That's why people go to the mountains to meditate. People don't go to the salt in the sea to meditate. People go to the mountains to meditate. People go to the ocean to meditate because there's a different energy there. It's a higher energy. So we have two fully developed higher centers that are not needed for adapting to life concerns, to love, to marriage, to career, making money, all of those things. These centers work with hydrogen 6 and hydrogen 12. So we have those two higher centers fully operational, yet we don't access them. The reason we don't access them is because we are addicted to coarse energy. We're addicted to it. We don't think we can live without it. We get a little bit of the higher energy, and that's fine. Oh, that's nice for a while, but we can't wait to get back to the lower energy where we feel at home, where we have most of our meaning. Another way of looking at that is where your treasure is, your heart is. So if your treasure is in the lower meaning, then, of course, that's where your heart's going to be. Your heart is your ability to value things. So your valuation is going to be in those lower things. 
and you're going to be attracted to those things. But if you can begin to value, if you can begin to find meaning in higher things and begin to value those things, your heart will go there and you will follow your heart. That's how it works. That's our hope, actually. The sex center could work with hydrogen 12 if it's not polluted with self-emotions, negative emotions, or connected with the formatory center, which invents theories about everything. So let's think about the sex center, because we hardly ever talk about the sex center. I can see you want to, because, <laughs> because, because we never talk about it. It's like, oh, yes, let's talk about the sex center. Okay, so we'll talk about the sex center a little bit. Let's talk about our sex center, which is pretty much operating on the lower levels. Self-emotions, self-love, negative emotions. And what about being connected with the formatory center where it invents theories about everything? Romance. Romance is a theory. And when it comes to the sex center, it's incredible the romantic theories that the formatory apparatus invents to keep us wandering around in hell, trying to get what we can never have. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And it locks you there and you can wander around on that wheel of misery for lifetimes if... You're dumb enough. And we're dumb enough. When we don't have the higher energies and the intelligence that comes with that higher energies, we're dumb enough. It's what we know. It's where we, we love it. People love romance. Look at what happens when February 14th rolls around. That'll give you an idea where people are operating in the sex center. Enough of the sex center. Let's move on. (laughs) We have formatory theories about what to eat, which interfere with proper working of the instinctive center. Here we go again, you know, it's like, oh, all these ideas about what to eat and all these experts, well, you've got to have this much meat and, you, and there's this, the, there's the, the Pritikin diet and there's, what diet were you on when you was just protein? The Atkins diet, the Pritikin diet, there's all these different diets, you know, raw food diet, macrobiotic diet, blah, 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 blah. What is based on higher centers? Which of those diets is based on higher centers? Can you see what my fingers and thumb is doing here? You see what that is? That's a zero. That means none of those diets are based on higher intelligence. All of those diets are based on formatory theories. Over here, you have all carbs. Over here, you have all protein and no carbs. Over here, you have this. Over here, you have that. Over here, you have all raw food. Over here, you have all cooked food. It's like, where is the intelligence there? This is what we end up doing. We have formatory theories about what to eat, and boy, does that interfere with the instinctive center, which you got to admit, the instinctive center knows way more about your body and how it works than the intellectual or scientific theories. They come out with theories all the time. Fad diets are nothing new. Everybody knows about them. And you have been through how many in your life? Too many. That's always two. You can see what my fingers are doing? Two. Too many. That's how many you've been through. But you know what? You're dumb enough to go through some more. It's hard to believe, but think about it. Just look at your past. You know that if you don't make a change in the way you think, you're going to do it again. This is why obesity is becoming epidemic for modern man. Because the instinctive center is no longer able to control your body. Because we keep on flooding it with all of these theories, and the instinctive center gets knocked out of whack. Oh, it'll take over eventually, but it may be too late. With intelligent energy, H6, accessible to us, we can have experiences far above our ordinary earth self. Of this, we are dimly aware, with little or no control on going up the ladder to get to H6. 
we don't get much hydrogen six energy, not at our levels, and we don't know how to create it. We're learning how to create it. We're learning how to transform energies. We're learning how to take a baser energy and transform it into something higher. It's what the ancients called alchemy. People took it in a ritualistic way. It's taking base metals and turning them into gold. Yes, but that stands for something. It's not just taking lead and turning it into gold. What that stands for is taking coarser energies, coarser materials, and turning them into finer, more valuable materials. And you do that internally. And that's what the alchemy schools were teaching. They were esoteric schools teaching internal transformation, not external transformation and wealth. That crap through the five senses, that greed, is nothing but self-love. That's not what they were teaching. That has been misunderstood by modern man in his self-love. So... We are like Jacob's ladder, with the head reaching to H6 and the feet as low as H96. Absolute meaninglessness. That's the hell, or outer darkness, of which esoteric schools have spoken. You remember, you'll be thrown into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. When everything in your life is meaningless, you're weeping and gnashing your teeth. It's hell. It's horrible. Because we have been given so much, our debt is incalculable. It cannot be calculated. When we fall into meaninglessness, we've entered a prison of darkness where help cannot reach us. Uh, I think one of the esoteric schools says, you'll be thrown into debtor's prison and you won't come out until you pay the last farthing. And that's it. Our debt is incalculable. You'll never pay the last farthing. You'll stay there forever unless you get out. And you have to get yourself out. But you can't pay your way out. You've got to effort your way out. You've got to meaning your way out. And you can do that because you've got a head that's touching H6, even though your feet are in H96. You still have access. It's still in you. You still have the possibility of evolution. That's the good news. No matter how low you go, you can still drag yourself up to where you can get help. You may not be able to make it all the way on your own, but you can get yourself to a point where you can get help. The universe can be likened to a distillery, big, giant distillery. And it'd be pretty big, wouldn't it? Since we're getting an idea of how big the universe is these days. And in this distillery, finer is separated from coarser. This is our daily task. You are here for this reason and only this reason, to separate the finer from the coarser. You throw your net out into the sea and you pull it in and you pull in all kinds of fishes. You pull in good fishes and bad fishes. You pull in fishes that are fine and edible and fishes that are worthless, junk fish, trash fish, they call them. And what you do is you sit there on the beach and you take the good fish and you put them in the pots and you take the bad fish and you throw them back. And this is another way that esoteric schools had of telling us what our task was, what our work here is. Cast your net out there, which of course we do, and when you draw it in, you then separate the good from the bad. You separate the coarse from the finer. That's your job. How do you know? Well, you've got to know something about fish. You've got to know something first. So the first thing you've got to get is knowledge. A negative feeling is coarser than a pleasant, good-natured feeling. Self-love is coarser than adoration. You adore somebody, you respect somebody. That is finer than self-love. In fact, self-love will keep you from adoring another or respecting another. Self-love will stop you dead in your tracks. And so you could have a great master here. And self-love will keep you from seeing that. Because we open on different levels of the universe, we must bring higher and lower together harmoniously in ourselves. Because we open onto H96 and H6 and everything in between, we've got to somehow harmonize this. We've got to somehow bring this together and make this work. We're not doing that very well now. Oh, we can make the lower rungs work pretty well. We can make H96 and H48 work pretty well. 
occasionally we can get a little bit of age 24. But when it comes to age 12 and age 6, we're like, uh, we get maybe get a drop on our head once in a while. You know, like we went outside and a dew drop hit us on the head. <gasps> oh, you know, it shocks us. Cold dew drop. You ever walked outside in the morning and something falls and bop hits you and it's like, <gasps> it's all of a sudden just shocking, kind of refreshing, but it's like, it's a jolt. Well, that's age 12, age 6. When we entertain ill will, self-pity, laziness, internal considering, and other negative emotions, we sink into a prison of more and more laws. The more laws you're under, the less movement you have, the less choice you have, the less freedom you have. We must accept our need to make effort of some kind. This is one of the things that is difficult for us. We will not accept our need to make effort. We think that everything should be given to us. I didn't ask to be born. We think we're owed. We don't think we should have to make effort. You may intellectually think you think. Well, I don't think that. But look at how you operate. If you've observed yourself at all, you've got to be able to see that you think you're owed. You think the universe owes you everything. If things don't go your way, you get upset. Your business doesn't go well, you get into a funk. What do you think that means? You think that means you're not owed? You don't think you're owed? It means you think you're owed something. You know, your husband, your wife doesn't act the way you want them to act. When you get upset, what do you think that means? You think it means you're not owed? It means you're owed. That's what you think. Whatever you say means nothing. It's what you do that means everything. And what you do is the states that you live in. So we've got to accept our need to make some kind of effort, not as a task that's imposed on us by other people. See, this is another problem we have. We think other people are making us do this. One of the things Curtis and I talk about all the time, he's got this big thing going on. Well, I can't do this because you said so. That's right. You can't do this because I said so. You have to do this because you know so. You have to do this because you want to. You have to do this because you have accepted your responsibility that you have to make some kind of effort. Not because I said so, but because that's the way it is. But if you're still in rebellion and you're, I don't have to do that, then fine, don't. Live a meaningless life. That's your business. It's really, honestly, it's no skin off my nose. It's like, okay, do that. Have a good time. When you get done wallowing in the mud, you know where to come. When you get done filling your belly with the husks that the pigs that you're wallowing in the mud with are filling their bellies with, and you're tired of that, you know where to go. It's not like you don't know where to go. It's like you're not done with the husks and the mud. That's what it's like. And if you're not done, there's no judgment here from me about that. If you're not done, you're not done. When you're done, come back. That's all. I'm not going to try and make anybody do anything. That's pointless. This is self-development. That means you must develop. I can't develop you. I may be able to guide you in certain areas for a certain way, as far as I know, but I can't do it for you. It's a fact of creation. You must make effort. It's a fact of creation. How do we know that? Well, you've got to make effort to feed yourself. Just on that level. Well, on higher levels, it's the same thing. You've still got to make effort to feed yourself. You just now feed yourself higher energies. Here's another fact. You can rise or fall. You see, up till now, you thought all you could do is fall. But actually, you can rise a lot higher than you've risen. Greater intelligence, greater mind exists on successive levels. This is what this ladder, this scale, this scale of hydrogens, this ray of creation in the work is telling us, is that greater intelligences, greater mind do exist on successive levels. The higher you go, the greater the intelligence, the greater the energy, the finer the energy. If you don't believe in greater mind, you can't change. If you don't believe in higher intelligence, you can't change. You've got to believe that something exists before you will try to get it. Order works on matter or all would be chaos. 
This is the intelligence of the universe. Order is heaven's first law. Order works on material things. If it didn't, everything would be chaos. The lower should be subordinate to the higher levels in man, or we're upside down. The ladder's turned upside down. If the lower is subordinate, the lower is determining what the higher is going to do. In other words, it prevents you from reaching the higher, because every time you try to go up, you end up going down. So that's our condition. We are here to unite heaven and hell in ourselves harmoniously, individually. Unless we have some belief in greater mind, while we remember ourselves, self-remembering is meaningless. If you're not remembering greater mind, you're remembering some self that isn't the self that you need to be remembering. What self do you need to be remembering? You don't know. You don't know what that self is. You need to be remembering real I, but you don't know what that is. So what you need to be remembering when you're remembering yourself is greater mind. If you're doing something else, if you're remembering something else, then hopefully it's your aim. Self-remembering and remembering your aim, if you have a higher aim. If you have a real aim, remembering your aim, your work aim, and remembering yourself at the same time is a good quality of self-remembering. A bad quality of self-remembering is not remembering the work, not remembering your aim, just remembering you're asleep. It's just a lower quality. It's not bad in the sense that it's like, oh, bad, don't do that. Look, if that's the best you can do, then do that. Remember yourself. Remember that you sleep. Remember that you're not one. Remember that you've got to try and stop expressing negative emotions. If you can remember that, you're tapping into some kind of aim. You're tapping into the work in some way. You're tapping into the ideas. That will pull you higher. That will help you. We need to remember ourselves, especially when things are difficult, so the help can reach us. When things are difficult, that's the time we need to remember ourselves. What do we do instead? Hey! Let's all invite all our friends. We're having a pity party. Yeah. And we get all of our friends together and we tell, oh, ain't it awful? And we tell the story over and over again and we get agreement and we have people commiserate with us and we have people tell us, oh, yeah, that's just wrong. And you're right. That was just horrible what happened to you and blah, 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 blah. There's nothing there for you. That's not going to take you higher, ever take you higher. It will never take you higher. Self-remembering is obviously the third state of consciousness. It's as low as help from above can reach. Help from above can't reach any lower than the third state of consciousness. What that means is if you want help, you're going to have to get into the third state of consciousness. You're going to have to get into self-remembering or else you're not going to get help from above. So it seems to me our task is clear. So let's do it. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at solidrockvista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.